All right, you ready? Uh, yep, ready as I'll ever be. Okay. Uh, well, I'm, I'm so glad that you are um, willing to talk about what happened to you. Uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Um, sure, my name is Raven. I'm 30 years old and I'm a detransitioner. Cool, and so this is the first time that you've uh, talked about this. I mean, you must've talked about it a little bit on, on uh, social media because that's how I, I uh, knew about it. Right. Yeah. Um, pretty much just like on my personal accounts, I haven't really shared too much and definitely not in person or out. <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, so I'm wondering where we should start. It seems like starting at the, the beginning, when, how did you get involved with the idea that you were uh, trans? Well, <laughs> um, At first, I came out as a lesbian, and I was pretty cool with that. Um, and I was obsessed with the show The L Word, which introduced me to a trans character and got me curious about like what that meant, because um, for me, I had always kind of wished that I had just been a male, like it just would be easier in a lot of ways. and. Um, so I kind of started researching what trans was and watched like a documentary and started seeing different YouTube channels and Tumblrs. And it kind of snowballed from there. I, I related to all of the things that they were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, so I just assumed like that must be me and any doubt that I was having was normal, of course, why would, I mean, why wouldn't you doubt such a crazy idea? And how old were you? Um, I think when that started, I was somewhere between 17 and 18. So you were still in high school? Um, technically, but I didn't really go to high school. <laughs> um, so from there, uh, did you start going through, through the medicalization? Yes. Um, so I started that process somewhere between 18 and 19. And then by the time I was 20, like a couple months after I turned 20, I started hormones. Mm. Mm. You started the taking testosterone? Yes. Was it like the, the gel that you can get a skin to skin contact if you if you brush up against someone apparently no that kind of weirded me out um <laughs> went right for the needles <laughs> um and uh that had effects on you i'm sure oh yeah majorly what sort of effects did it have um well at first they felt positive because i had been so depressed it was like exciting there was this like new person blossoming like I my voice didn't sound the same a few months down the road um I was just changing in a lot of ways and it was kind of exciting but um eventually it became like I was just on a constant wave of like up 
ups and downs with my mood. Um, mm. I was just waiting for the next shot all the time. It felt like because like shot day and a couple days after that, I felt great. Mm. And a few days after that, I felt like the worst ever, like suicidal, just horrible. And uh, how frequently was shot day? Um, for me, at first it was every other week and then it was every week. So, um, so that's quite a cycling. Yeah. Weekly cycling of, of feeling good for half the week and then you crash and then you feel good and then you crash. All right. And, um, I imagine that, 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 uh, the fact that you were, your moods were, were so, uh, connected to this external thing, uh, may have impacted your relationships because your moods were not necessarily connected to the people you were in a relationship with or close to. Right. Um, it, it did. Um, but I also, because of my moods doing that, there were times that I would miss a shot or like decide I was going to stop doing it. Mm. And then I would start doing it again a couple weeks later. So everyone was just like, it's because you're not doing it on a regular basis. You need to just stick with it if you're going to do it. Mm. Yeah. And I'm sure you were 20, 21 year old woman and uh, uh, you must have had other things going on in your life too. Other things that you were healing from um, that put you down on this road. Right. Um, I, I should have been healing from those things, but I wasn't because my whole focus was just like, I need to do this and, um, create like a foundation of some sort because, um, I don't know, my life had just kind of been a mess up until then, uh, had a lot of trauma that I just never addressed or worked through. Hmm. And so was this kind of a way of being uh, born again, kind of an escape from that? Oh, totally, <laughs> completely. Um, escapism was like a big, big part for me. Um, prior to taking hormones or even knowing what transgender was, I had catfished people online, like I, pretended that I was a male before all of this so it was like mm. okay now I can really do this like I can really become this different person that lives inside of me which really all I was getting at is these are personality traits that I feel like I can't express as a woman or mm. can't be taken seriously so now I can become this man and um, I don't know be taken seriously <laughs> It's a, it's a way of uh, getting, getting a, away from misogyny, getting uh, um, some validation that exactly. you're just like this and that's okay. It's not that, that, that uh, you're, you're a flawed woman. You were just meant to be a man all along and that's why you're like this. And right. it's okay that you're like this. It's a way for it to be okay that you're gender nonconforming in some way, according to some people. Right. So after the hormones, uh, did you do anything else in, in pursuit of the medical side of things? Um, yeah, so it took me years to actually do, but I did end up having a double mastectomy. 
uh, I think I was 26. It, mm. it was a long time, um, mostly just because I couldn't afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was older than a lot of the young women I see now. Yeah, there's, they're doing mastectomies now on, on 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's wild. It's being permitted. Right. Um, and uh, how, how did that go? So, I mean, the actual surgery and everything was fine. Um, then when I had my chest revealed to me, I was waiting for this moment of like, uh, I don't know, some type of excitement or something, but I just remember feeling um, a lot of disappointment and almost horror. Like it kind of freaked me out when I saw what it looked like. And this was like immediately after or after a few days or? This was like the immediate viewing. I was kind of like, whoa, that's, this is different than I expected it to be. And I Mm -hmm. just kind of assumed that that was because it still looked really rough. You know, it was still healing. So I thought maybe that's what was freaking me out about it. It sounds like those feelings didn't ever go away. No. Um, Yeah, it never went away. I was always really disappointed with it. Um, The actual regret didn't hit me, though, until... Well, gosh. It was a few months after healing, and I knew that the sensation was always going to be different. It was never going to be the same, but something in me thought some of it would be back. Not that I lost all sensation, but just that nipple sensation is like, I I don't know how to explain. It's just very different now. Kind of, it just makes my skin crawl versus it being something pleasurable. And that was the first real hit of regret for me. Just realizing that, that you'd lost something that you couldn't get back. Right. There's just no way to ever get that back. It was, a, it was a very specific part of you that developed in the past and it developed as it developed and, and it's you're not going to have another gestation where you'll get to develop another one. And right. so, um, do you get the, the phantom pains that some, some people get after the mastectomy? Or did, did, it sounds like you kept your nipples, but the, it's, it's, they're very different now. Yes. Um, so I... It's not necessarily a pain for me. It's just like extreme discomfort or sometimes it'll be like there's an itch that I can't scratch. Like there's nothing that I can do. It's just a sensation that's there that I can't stop. The only thing that kind of can alleviate it is if I um, put some type of pressure on my chest, like Mm. lay on my chest. So some kind of, have you tried capsaicin? I haven't. It's uh, um, the, it's what makes hot peppers hot. Mm. And so they put it in creams because it can help neuro- neuropathic pain, especially by mm. stimulating the nerve in a specific way. So, so especially the first couple of times you use it, it can feel like, you, um, like, like hot pepper, but there, so it can feel like not great, but it can kind of like help 
balance balance out your your nerve sensation mm, I, i've used balance. it so i i um i like it as a as a non-invasive uh, way of managing chronic pain i would still classify that as pain personally uh i because my definition of pain is is a negative sensation that you can't um push out of your mind that's affecting you and your functioning true yeah versus like the injury kind of pain that that's the kind that gets validated as pain younger that sounds uh unpleasant it's definitely unpleasant yeah i guess it would be classified as pain when you put it that way yes yeah like when your your nerves are hurting it, it's a very specific kind of pain mm -hmm. the itching the burning and the tingling mm -hmm. do you have any restriction in movement in your chest um, I, I don't, um, it's kind of hard to say. I, I don't think I completely do, but there is some discomfort with like my arms raised and stuff. It's like, um, really tight mm. and, um, my ribs are always in pain, but that's from binding for like 10 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do you think then that the, it sounds like you probably started binding at around 18? Yes. Um, and then you, you uh, continued binding, you said for 10 years. So do you think that that affected how um, that part of your, your, your chest and back grew and that that's causing some chronic pain now? Yeah, I, I think it definitely did. Um, I can just... I can visually see like my rib cage just looks kind of strange. It's definitely different. Um, yeah, there was a lot of damage from binding for that long. Wow. Um, and so you said you mentioned that it's hard to lift your arms up over your head. Yeah. Are you able to? I am able to. Do you feel some discomfort? Yeah. I wonder if that would affect um, if a job required you to be able to lift 50 pounds over your head. Do you think you'd be able to do that? Or do you think that you might have some restrictions? I, I probably would end up having restrictions. I think that I would be able to do it, but to do it repeatedly would probably be an issue. Stamina, some stamina right. issue. Right. Which is... Um, Makes, makes sense if you've got scar tissue in your chest and it's hard to, you're pulling against that. Right. So they've taken a lot from you. That, that limits your opportunities. Right. You had mentioned that you didn't really go to high school. So it sounds like you were, you were, you started from, from, from pretty far behind the star line. Unfairly. Yes. Definitely. And, and do you feel like that made you more vulnerable to this sort of messaging? Uh, yeah, there's no way that it didn't. I mean, I was in such a vulnerable place when I started all of this that, yeah, that just affected the whole process, really. How did you, how did you find your way out of it? Um, so... It was a slow process. I, throughout the years, I had always 
questioned if I was doing the right thing, but it was just like too hard to go back on at some point. Um, but then my body started to have um, some weird side effects and I was having like a lot of cramping in like my uterus like every day pretty much. It was really bad. So I decided to at least just stop with the hormones and I wasn't sure what I was going to do after that point. I just knew I was going to stop hormones. And once I stopped hormones, I, I felt like I could just like see things more clearly. Mm. I felt more stable and I was able to just kind of um, dig deeper into the questions that I had. And once I did that, everything just slowly started unraveling from there. <laughs> So, so there was a, almost a degree to which the, the, the regular drug use had perpetuated it. Cause these are, it's a, it's a very powerful psychoactive medication, testosterone. Um, and it was causing these emotional cycles that you were talking about. And, and it's, it's sounds like that was all just clouding, clouding your perspective and making it harder to, to see the larger patterns that were, that were keeping you, uh, in this loop, these ups right. and downs. So your, the belief structure was, was bumping up against the reality of that severe pain that you were experiencing in your uterus from the testosterone. And uh, you made a choice to be out of pain. Right. So in some ways, the same willingness to protect yourself that got you into the trans uh pathway got you out of it yeah i never thought of it that way but yeah so you, as you've gotten older you've gotten better at protecting yourself yeah definitely and it sounds like when you were younger also you didn't have somebody protecting you so you had to learn how to protect yourself Um, basically, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. This is tough. It's very, very tough what you've been through. Do you feel like you've been able to forgive yourself? Not completely. Um, I still do a lot of like, I just still blame myself a lot because I do feel that the, um, the surgeon and the therapists and everyone are responsible in some ways, but I also feel like, God, maybe I shouldn't have, because um, some there were times that I lied like there were times that I was like, no, I'm actually, I'm doing better now, even though I knew I wasn't because I just, I didn't want to be questioned about anything. I just wanted mm -hmm. to keep going down that path. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely struggle to forgive myself for it. It's a process. Right. I hope that talking about it 
um, with me today can be a step in that direction because I think that it will help other people to hear your story uh, and, and to hear that, that you regretted it uh, uh, pretty quickly. And, you, and, and even before you regretted it, you had this deep sense of body horror at realizing that there is a part of you that's not there anymore. Um, and and uh, you were perhaps uh, old enough to have the immediate body horror, whereas a young person, there might be a delayed effect of that. But if they hear your story, maybe maybe that will be uh, that will divert some of them. I I hope so. Even if it's just one, that would that would be something. Yeah. Yeah. It really would be. It's hard. It's hard to. Uh, I I just I remember one person uh, my my uh, that who's who's mastectomy I was close to uh, for this who's top surgery. Um, just seeing the immediate aftermath of her, her, what happened was I had a similar horror where it was just like, it was just wakes you up. It's like, mm -hmm. this was the wrong thing to do. This is not, this is not right. Right. There's not supposed to be those cuts there. She, that doesn't help her. Right. And then you have to live with the regret. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just have to live with it. There's, there's no, even if you had some type of reconstruction, it's not the same. You know, there's once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. It's, uh, we're we're encouraged, I think, to to see our bodies as 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 uh, commodities that can be taken apart and and sold or or leased or otherwise we can put a price on it. But ultimately, you know, you only have your body, and mm -hmm. you only have it so long and it's not replaceable it's not mass produced uh, and and you really only get one bite at the apple for a lot of these things uh, and it, it's it's really really hard for a person to predict the consequences of, of such a surgery especially the younger they are and the less life experience they have yeah i can't even imagine at, at that age you know i and I, I would have done it had it been presented to me at that age too, probably. Oh yeah, I would have definitely. Right. <laughs> I would have, if, if someone had come to me in seventh grade and been like, "Hey, we can right. fix this. We can, we can, we can make it go back to the way it was." Right. So, sign me up. Mm -hmm. that, that was the age where I also was was thinking very seriously about how I can change my legs into to fish. I want to <laughs> have a fish tail. Right. My plan involved acid. Pour acid <laughs> on my legs, and then put me in a fish really quickly. And then it would, just, it would just heal together and then a miracle would happen and I could breathe underwater. Like ser I seriously put a lot of thought into this. I still have the journey. <laughs> Thank God no one took me seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Teenagers are super logical. <laughs> I mean, just anything's possible. Like body is changing wildly, so why not? Like, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> But I, I think that it's 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 just going to take a lot of a lot of people who've uh, seen it firsthand or secondhand or or been through it, who have been close to it, speaking out and and warning people away from the pit. Um, yeah, I think that's really the only way. And unfortunately, it's still they'll have to just see it themselves. Some of them, but hopefully, we can stop some of it before it happens. Yeah, yeah, I think. Uh, um, 
one 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 important difference between what's going on now and, and actual lobotomy is that, that the people who are uh, survive it uh, they can still talk about it for the most part. You're not so impaired that you can't speak for yourself. So that's that's very good. Um, what what do things look like for you now? How are things going? Do you, are you working on any projects? Do you have like a, a social media uh, content? Um, I'm not sure what that looks like exactly yet, but I do want to share. Um, I think it's for us. Oh, okay, I do want to share like more of my story. Um, I haven't like like I said, this is my first time really talking about any of this, so I think. Um, once I can kind of talk about it more and make more sense of it myself, um, more of what I say will maybe be helpful or make more sense. I think you made a lot of sense today. Thanks. I think it's it's hard to, to talk about something that, that happened to you and, and to put it into words and to figure out what, what to highlight and what to um, elaborate on. And, and, you know, it takes practice. You got to keep telling your story. Right. And, and hear yourself telling it to people and then uh, you will, it'll refine in that iterative process that um, recursive, you'll go back over it and just some parts were, will settle, other parts will, will feel a little bit out of place for this or that angle of it. And, you know, you'll work on it. Yeah. I think it's important to keep speaking out. I know that, that you're also, you're getting out sometimes to conferences. Um, that was my first one. But That's great. Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping to get to more though. And yeah, well, the, the community definitely needs you. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish that they didn't, but. You wish <laughs> that they thing. didn't? Yeah, like I, I just wish that this wasn't going on, <laughs> but. Yeah, you'd rather it was for um, a different reason that we were organized. Yeah, right. um, it can be a, a step towards towards that self forgiveness, though, to to spend at least some time um, making something good come out of it. Right. Um, but I think I think uh, a lot of people. I definitely share share your hope that one day, you know, we will be not having to think about this. Past <laughs> this, we will be organized about something different. Yes. Um, so I hope we can get there. Me too. Do you have any last thoughts before we close? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank you so yeah. much for talking to me. This has been a really, really great uh, discussion. And yeah. uh, I, I uh, hope we can talk again soon uh, and that you keep telling your story. I will. Thanks for having me and for what you do.